Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Well, I don't care what the article in Gizmodo said, Gavin. No one's going to eat hot Cheetos turkey. Ass. The following podcast contains... Profanity, food jokes, and tired comedy references. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you had an entire Thanksgiving feast laid out before you and you chose the yams, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Wednesday, November 21st, 2018, a yam for kata edition of the show where we talk about the meals of Thanksgiving past. Stay tuned. The What the Hell You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Box O Bird, turkey product in a box. Are you tired of bulky birds taking up viable space in your kitchen? The awkward struggle to fit a large, oblong, raw, dead bird into a square oven? Are you just kind of grossed out by how a naked, pimple, blotted blob of bird looks in your pan? Try Boxo Bird. Some of the flavor of turkey in a convenient freeze-dried brick of protein matter that is almost, but not quite, and quite entirely unlike turkey. Instead of hours of prep and cooking, simply open Boxo Bird and just add water. The cube will swell to serving size and pop in the microwave. Five minutes later, you have perfect turkey simulacra with some of the taste and none of the waste. Act now and get 10% off brick of ham before Christmas. It's sort of like ham-ish. No, no, it's a little pop thing. Hey, could somebody please explain to me where the little pop thing is on the turkey? I mean, because maybe it's different in the city, but in the country where I come from, turkeys aren't born with little pop <laughs> The little pop thing has a name. It's called a thermometer. Now, can we all please say thermometer? Thermometer, yeah. We can say it. We're blue in the face. It's not going to make it pop out any faster. I think something's wrong with your oven, Carla. Hey, my oven was just fine until you stuffed Birdzilla in it. Come on, you guys. Come on. Hey, you don't, we don't have to bite each other's heads off here. Maybe the only thing we get to eat this day, Sammy. <laughs> Hey, you guys, this is Thanksgiving, and I still say this is going to be the greatest. Oh, who the hell do we think we're kidding? We're all a bunch of pathetic dropouts. <laughs> Scorned by our loved ones as if anybody ever loved us at all. I'm the first to admit my holiday tales tend to run toward the bleak. This is because I'm not a happy person. Oh, you Hush now. And quite frankly, I think I'm entitled as I've had some especially shit holidays. See last week's show where I talk about Christmas playing Santa on the shitter truck. My second New Year's in New York City, I spent working 12-hour shifts at a vet hospital, and my turkey day dinner consisted of a cold cheeseburger and fries because some lady's dog ate half of her turkey, and she was convinced she needed to bring him to us right now and would not or could not hear the reality that I was not a doctor and no doctor was gonna, not gonna come, was ever gonna come in for what was definitely not a medical emergency if you don't count the psychological emergencies she was experiencing. Speaking of medical emergencies, there was the Thanksgiving in Korea when our Korean dog handlers brought us a delicacy to Turkey Day potluck at the kennels. Aww, I don't like where this is going. 
After years of hearing endless jokes by endless rotation of military dog handlers, they decided it was time to put an end to them and served us a lot of Kajang Gook. A delicious stew of green onions, chili powder, and mushrooms that was both savory and filling. And of course, the meat was something special because it was dog. Come on, man. Everyone commented on how delicious it was while Mr. Han and Mr. Ho beamed in happiness. I'm given to understand that the legend of that Thanksgiving lives on at Kunsan Air Base now some 30 years later. Oh, then there was the year in California that my flight decided we would have a seafood feast in lieu of a big-ass turkey dinner, and someone bought cheap shellfish. Fully half of a United States Air Force security police flight. Some two dozen or so people spent Thursday and Friday um, somewhat indisposed. All I could think is how we really should have just made a fucking turkey. What I'm trying to get across here is that holidays, particularly Thanksgiving, they are not my friends. But this year, I'm really trying to be better. Trying not to be such an asshole and rail on about all the terrible holidays I've spent away from families and friends, all the surprise dog meat dinners and explosive diarrhea, all this because... Is it just me or does the whole world suck? It does. And no one needs some Grinch-ass motherfucker trying to harsh them over their one little moment of happiness and peace they can find. So this year, I'm trying, I'm really trying to be better. And in that spirit, I'm going to tell you a happy Thanksgiving story. We're a diverse group of people from around the world, far from home, alone, perhaps in a strange land or at least a strange city, gathered together to feast and be thankful for what they have and to drink a shitload of wine. Yeah, well, sometimes you just gotta... It begins in a college dorm day room, and it ends with a yam. I hope you enjoy my story. I did not go to college straight out of high school. Duh. Because, uh, well, I like to smoke weed and chase girls a lot more than I like going to classes. Now, because I smoked weed, I could neither catch the girl or do well in those classes, those that I could be bothered to show up in. So, I went into the military, and while in the military, I signed up for the GI Bill, which in the 80s, when I enlisted, was a particularly shitty plan. You paid in a thousand bucks, and the government, when you finished the military, would give you ten thousand bucks, which ostensibly you would use to pay for tuition and live off of. An amount that I can that I think we can all agree on, looking at the spike in college tuitions over the intervening years, is, uh, very little money. Having no real money and such a checkered educational history, I more or less assumed that I would never go to college, proving my mother right about me. Again. But then something amazing happened. I got a job working at a university, and that university would pay my tuition so long as I was working there. And all I had to do was somehow get them to admit me to said university. Dear pod friends, I would like to regale you with lies on how I struggled and schemed to get accepted to a very prestigious university known for producing presidents and basketball stars. How I spent long nights studying and struggling, and it culminated in some sort of big 80s training montage and everyone cheering me on. (laughs) 
But it would be a really inspiring story, except that's not what happened in the least. What actually happened was, is I paid $100, filled out an application, wrote an admissions essay filled with pointed references to my being a veteran, and they let me in because I was working at the university. After a year of working and attending school, I'd grown close to a diverse group of other students who shared similar desires to give back to the community by working in the Department of Public Safety. Actually, they took the job because you could do it drunk, stone, hungover, asleep, or while in class if you want to come right down to it. And it paid fairly well for a student job. These people became my friends despite the fact that I was 12 years older than they were. I worked as a campus cops, and on the surface we had nothing in common. But down deep, where it really counted, we all bonded over the same thing. We shared a simple truth. We liked to drink, and they realized that I... I've drunk more beer and pissed more blood and banged more quiff. Busted more all you numbnuts put together. And respected me for that, especially the women. By the closing of my third semester at the university, we'd become really close, and I wanted to do something nice for them. And that's when I hit on the idea of cooking Thanksgiving dinner. You see, a university is never really closed. Not completely. Even over the holidays, there are hundreds of students still on campus in the dorms for various reasons. Perhaps they come from another country that doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving, or they're there on a budget and can't afford to travel for the holidays, or it could be something as simple as, I hate my family. So they choose to remain on campus over the breaks, be they holidays or even summer breaks, and since they are there, the guards who control the access to the dorms, my friends, the students, they needed to be there as well. And since my friends were the kind of people who would do something like that, stay there over the holidays, I decided I would cook for them in the dorm day room and feed as many people who wanted to eat. Now, I wanted to provide my friends the closest approximation to a genuine Southern Thanksgiving as I possibly could, and in my family, that meant one takes the maximum number of people you can reasonably expect to be there and cook enough food to feed roughly five to six times that many people. Just to be safe? That meant like a 15-pound turkey, a big-ass ham, a metric fuck-ton of potatoes and gravy, a football field's worth of dressing, and of course, a vat of macaroni and cheese. And this meant cooking for Thanksgiving starts Tuesday at the latest. So I did days' worth of prep at home, then I drove it all into the dorms on Thanksgiving Day. The other part, of course, in a Thanksgiving event like this was wine. A shitload of wine. And because we were all college, poor college students, except for me because I had a full-time job, no tuition and GI Bill benefits, because of course I took my GI Bill benefits, <laughs> I could buy all sorts of booze, even like classy expensive booze, but I have really bad taste in wine, and that meant I bought many, many boxes of boxed wine, which is of course bad wine. So... Over the course of that day, I and my assistants, who were actually at work, became rather tipsy as we cooked. And this is perfectly normal for most people cooking on Thanksgiving, not perfectly normal for, you know, campus security guards. But the result of all that drinking and cooking was enough food and booze to feed not just the dozen or so people I'd originally planned, but enough food to feed the entire village of Plymouth and the Native American tribe they would eventually brutally slaughter and steal their lands. This was more food than we could possibly ever eat. So we opened our doors to the rest of the campus, to the campus cops, 
I guess really ought to have been invited in the first place since I worked with these people, but I didn't actually like them very much. To the maintenance people, the cleaning staff, even the nurses and doctors in the emergency room of the med school hospital. They came over and we fed everyone. We fed local cops and firemen who happened to be cruising through campus because they were bored and it was Thanksgiving Day. And by the time it was said and done, the entire community of this university, which is named sort of after the first president of the United States and a town, had been fed on Thanksgiving Day, or so we thought. As we cleaned and, of course, continued to drink obscene amounts of wine, a single student guard arrived at the door, having just heard about the feast. He was a grad student in the medical school or the ground of the graduate school who, honest to God, he looked like Gandhi if Gandhi wore business casual. Kata, for that was his name, was from Nepal, maybe? I'm not really sure. I don't really remember. I could be wrong. But Kata was a great guy, and he worked constantly. If he wasn't in class or the library, he was taking guard shifts. And Kata never spoke. I don't know if his English wasn't great, or he just didn't have a lot to say. Even on the radio, he would never use the call signs that we assigned to people. He would just say his name and his request. And Kata, my friends, was utterly delightful. Everyone loved him. And Kata had come late for dinner. The problem was, dinner was mostly gone. I mean, we had fed literally all of George Bleep Town, D.C., and we had very little food left. Just a few shreds of turkey and some stuffing, which he piled on a plate and he raved over. Or raved by Kata standards, what he actually did was smile and ate and said exactly nothing. And I tried to apologize for not having much left, but Kata was Kata, and he thanked me profusely. By which, I mean, by Kata standards, he said, thank you one time and nothing more. And then I said, Kata, the dessert's all gone. We've got no pies, we've got no sweet potato pies, we've got no pumpkin pies, we've got no cake. But he just smiled and ate his turkey and watched TV in the day room. And then he did something amazing. Kata got up and found dessert. As we watched and drank wine, Kata was set and finished his meal, watching the dorm room television. And then he took a single large uncooked yam. This yam isn't boiled. From the counter where I'd left a couple of extra sweet potatoes and yams because I don't really like sweet potatoes or yams and began to eat that uncooked raw ass yam like you and I would eat an apple biting through the peel, a peel which was unwashed and definitely uncooked. And we watched in shock and awe as he ate that raw ass yam completely. I mean, this yam, this yam was the size of twice my clenched fist, and he just ate it like it was fruit. He then stood up, rinsed off his plate, and then looked at the three remaining yams on the counter, and then looked at me. Then he looked at the yams, and then he looked at me. And I said, Kata, would you like the rest of the yams? And Kata nodded happily and took those yams and put them in his book bag, and then solemnly hugged each of us in turn and said, Happy Thanksgiving, and left the room with his bag full of raw-ass yams. He was the happiest person out of all the people I'd fed that day. The most grateful person of all the people I'd fed that day. The most understanding, this guy from Nepal, of what the American tradition of Thanksgiving was all about 
all the people I had fed that day. And I can only imagine why that was. I bet at the end. Looking back on that Thanksgiving day in the dorm day room, I have to chalk it up as one of the best damn Thanksgivings I've ever had. Including the ones with my family when I was a kid. Not that they were bad, just they didn't, weren't that interesting. Because in that strange mix of privileged white kids, working class overtime seekers, or doctors without enough seniority to avoid working holidays, and a grad student who just really loved fucking yams, I saw gratitude and happiness, real love and togetherness. What might be described as the true meaning of Thanksgiving if it weren't, you know, a prelude to Black Friday. Or, you know, maybe I just had too much fucking boxed wine. Either way, it ranks as one of the best Thanksgivings I've ever had. And those people who were present at that Thanksgiving are still my friends to this day. And we will occasionally gather when we can to celebrate the family we chose to join rather than the one we were born into. And when we do gather, we talk about a yam fricata. And when we can get together for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever holiday we happen to be together, which we still sometimes manage to do, we set aside a single big-ass raw yam. A yam for Kata, wherever he may be. That is it for our Thanksgiving edition of the show this week. There will not be a Friday show, because fuck it, I'm doing this one. Be thankful, you ungrateful bastards. We are here at this low-rated podcast. Hope that you and your families, biological families or dorm room families, enjoy your holiday. May be full of love, gratitude and happiness, low on politics and drunk pervy uncles, and most of all, that each of you set aside your own personal yam for kata. Because kata understands what it means to truly be thankful. We'll see you all next week. for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.